Welcome back to the Send 938 podcast, a ministry of Baptist Missions designed to encourage, equip, and inspire the next generation of missionary servants and the churches who will send them. I'm your host, Steve Anderson, Administrator for North American Ministries with Baptist Missions, and I'm joined today by a couple of our career medical missionaries, one now serving in our administration. Dr. Joy Angel is here with me in the Global Ministry Center recording. Good to have you here, Dr. Joy. Thanks. Great to be here. Good, good. And uh, joining us via Zoom today from our home in Michigan is Mary Breckert. Um, now, you and your husband both serve with Baptist Missions, although you were the part of the team engaged in medical ministry, and so... Um, it's good to have you here with us, Mary. Thank you so much. Good. So today, the, obviously, the uh, the medical presence here in the episode is evidence of an interest in understanding a little bit more about BMM's medical ministries, uh, but also the, the history of medical missions, both broadly speaking and within uh, the history of our organization. And so um, it's good to have both of you here. Thank you. Mary, you... Uh, you and your husband joined the mission in 1985. And uh, where did you begin your career? We began in the Sahara Desert first for a term. And then we were in the Mission Hospital, EP Hospital in CAR, Central African Republic. God was working in great ways there. So we saw him training medical evangelists to serve. So you use the term medical evangelist, and maybe we'll get back to this um, in more depth later, but... But what is uh what is the medical evangelist role look like? How does that how does that function? One of the great goals of missionary medicine is teaching other people to do what you do to the extent possible, so that you can multiply yourself and have someone to carry on afterwards. So one of the goals at EP Hospital had always been training young men and women to know medicine well, to know the scripture well. And to use that not only in serving at the hospital itself, but going out to other villages and towns, running medical clinics there and preaching the word of God through that. So it was a great program that had been developed and expanded and carried on through the years to help um, train people locally to do the work of reaching people for Christ using medicine as a tool. And to whatever degree we might ever measure success in our efforts here short of eternity, would you would you say that the efforts there in EP were successful? Yes, they definitely were. We saw many churches started. We saw many people turn to the Lord for salvation. After they were at the hospital for their care, we would try to, try to get them into churches in their areas. The evangelists who worked at the hospital would go out on weekends for church planting work and for building up churches. And it was tremendous to see them carry on now as they are running the hospital with no missionary personnel present there. And they continue to train others. Good, good. Uh, Dr. Joy, you um, you serve as our, our medical director here at BMM, which means you have um, a responsibility that covers the, the whole mission family with regards to directing our, our efforts, both with medical ministries, as well as managing uh, some of the necessary elements of medical care for our missionaries, both before, on, and after the field. So you didn't begin that, that ministry as an administrator, though, with BMM. So where did your medical ministry with BMM begin? I had been in practice in South Carolina as a family doctor for about 13 years, and uh took one too many short-term mission trips and uh, <laughs> a dangerous my first, thing to do huh? absolutely my my uh 
the mission trip that basically changed my life was uh, being the doctor with a group of students. Um, went to the islands of Micronesia, and uh, my picture of medical missions prior to that time was uh, a bit stretched, but I had heard a lot of medical mission stories that were like a, a surgeon doing a surgery with a bare light bulb overhanging them and flies being swatted and these very remote conditions. And uh, that I knew was not a fit for me. But when I went to Micronesia, I saw that primary care could be a ministry and outreach and a way to reach new communities, and in that case, new islands, and fell in love with island life. And uh, after another trip, which was the hardest trip I'd ever had, uh, to another island in Micronesia, the Lord uh, very clearly said, this is what I want you to do. So I left and went to uh, to Guam. I raised support. I came with Baptist Missions in 1996, was on Guam for five years, and then came here after that to be the medical director here at Baptist Missions. It seems like every generation has this concept of discovering something new in ministry. You know, I've got this new uh, approach to doing discipleship and and uh, for very good reasons, there is a there's a heavy focus today. It seems on relational trust building and evangelistic effort through building of trust in relationships. But medical ministry has really been doing that for a century plus, right? Absolutely, that is the goal of medical ministry: is to care for someone's needs in critical hours, where you build trust and develop a relationship, and for the uh, to use the term. Uh, Mary's already employed the medical evangelist. The goal then is to introduce that person not just to health, but to Christ. Absolutely. Because we follow the model of Christ. Yeah. That's what Christ did. Meeting physical needs. Absolutely. It's not nothing new under the sun, right? Right. <laughs> so um, in a world where there has been uh, at various times kind of a, a recoiling within Christianity at the at the idea of being given over to simply meeting social needs. So we recoil at the thought of just spending an entire effort meeting social needs alone. How does Baptist Missions and our our missionaries under that banner? How do we maintain a balance between meeting social and physical needs and being faithful to the Great Commission ministry that the churches? who sent and partner with our missionaries um, expect from us? Either one of you can answer that. I think the Lord has used it, medical missions, very much in showing that compassion of Christ through giving the medical care and also brought people from distant places, like from the islands and the mountains to where the health care is being given and then using his servants to give the gospel to them when we have that opportunity and that point of contact and have built up, as you say, that trust with them because we provided care for them, which they needed, they appreciate, and they're open to listen. Of course, not everyone, but many of them uh, will at least uh, politely listen to what you have to say. And the Lord works in hearts to get them to see this is his truth and this is what I need. So we have some, we have some ongoing uh, medical campaigns. Some, uh, some of our fields host kind of an annual uh, 
uh, medical campaign as an evangelistic outreach. Um, the one that immediately comes to mind because of my own familiarity with it is Peru. But Dr. Joy, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the experiences that are taking place globally, maybe on an annual basis with a medical focus? Yes, for a number of years, we've been uh, holding medical mission teams for volunteers here from the United States. Uh, We've been to six countries, different countries with those. And our focus is always to uh, extend the arms of our national believers and the the missionaries that may be working with them or national pastors. And always in conjunction with uh, a, a local church or in the part, as a part of helping start a local church. So we try to go to places where there are missionaries there that can carry on further evangelism, discipleship, etc. Um, it can be done in an area where there's already a good church plant trying to reach into their, into their community or in an area where they're trying to start a new church and they're on the early end of evangelism, uh, particularly in countries where other religions are predominant and uh, such as uh, Buddhism, Muslim, um, uh, those kind of places where there's more uh, less understanding to start with of the gospel, and then building from there. But the whole purpose is to draw in people to hear the gospel, um, to meet their physical needs and demonstrate the love of Christ, not just talk about it, but actually demonstrate it, showing compassion to them, Uh, and using that as an outreach ministry. So it can either further the work of the nationals or further the work of the missionaries um, by so doing, giving out the gospel. It's always critical. So our our listeners would recognize a phrase they probably heard a few weeks ago from Dr. Matt Morell that that talked about biblical compassion always resulting in action. So biblical compassion is not simply the thing that kind of stirs your heart. That's not that's not rep- that's representative of it, maybe an earnest interest in what's going on, but biblical compassion in accordance with Christ's own behavior, for example, in Luke nine, um, is to is to uh, see the crowd and feel that compassion, and then do something about it. Exactly. Um, I appreciate your pointing out that our medical ministries are always in operation with local church ministries. Um, we're recording this during the week of our candidate seminar, and uh, I had the privilege this week of teaching a couple of our core values uh, to our new missionary candidates who are here for the week of orientation. And one of those is the centrality of the local church in, in everything that we do. And uh, that that is because we are convinced that the church is at the center of what God is doing in the world, and uh, we don't want to be a flash-in-the-pan kind of medical ministry where we go in, take good pictures and get some good promotional material for brochures and websites and social media and uh, and then leave whatever whatever eternal impact may have been accomplished in terms of transforming hearts and lives, uh, leave those people on their own without any track for discipleship or follow-up or care in a local could church I environment. Could I insert some of the... Uh, participation of our church in Cambodia as Dr. Joy's teams would come. They were so excited that, especially that very first one, oh, you know, they're going to come and work with us. How can we get the gospel out the best? And they would choose what towns to go to and how to get there and who would be able to go to help 
uh, with evangelization and preparing the tracks. And they were just excited to be part of that team working together and giving the gospel. And they were involved after the team left with going back for follow-up and visiting the towns again. Some of the songs that were sung, oh, we loved that song the team taught us while they were here. And we want to keep singing that. And they, uh, it just was an encouragement to the believers because they were so few in this new church plant ministry. And to see, wow, across the world, there are other believers that love the Lord like we do and are willing to work together with us in serving the Lord to reach these people. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's good. Because to think of the secondary impact of this is that, is that it, it certainly is an encouragement to the local believers who would be present for the duration of, of the ministry. So that's that's good to hear. It's a good reminder. You mentioned Cambodia, and I had mentioned when we began that you, you began your ministry in the African continent. You mentioned Sahara and then uh, and then CAR, but you, you actually served in several uh, nations, including Cambodia, as you mentioned, and uh, another restricted access nation. And yes, so, the Lord did move us from uh, Africa to Asia and allowed us to serve an entirely different ministry there, working especially with teams coming over and medical um, in training for national physicians and other uh, paramedical, but he also used us in a government hospital serving. And you've written about your experiences uh, in these nations, right? You've got a book that, that you authored worth yes, mentioning the, here. The book is called Present and Powerful. And the point is to show God was very present, just like he promised in Matthew 28, lo, I am with you always. And he doesn't just send us to go, but he goes before us. He goes with us. He's the one working, and he's right there in every situation. Things can get tough sometimes and very busy, very hectic, but the Lord's right there, and it's his work, and he shows his power. He, he delights to show his servants what he's doing and to see his power over and over and to give him praise. Oh, Lord, I wouldn't change this life for anything else in the world. That's great. So you've, you just mentioned something that kind of uh, uh, triggered a thought in my mind about working in a government hospital in, in Cambodia. Um, several places across the globe, BMM has had a part in starting um, a mission-run hospital. Um, I don't know the numbers. Maybe you could speak more directly to the numbers, but there, there are many where this, yes. this is true. African continent, the, the Asian continent, Asian subcontinent. Um, so 80 and in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good. And so what, what are the dynamics of working in a government run hospital as compared to a hospital that as our missionary team facilitates its administration, everyone understands there's a gospel oriented ministry taking place. And how does that change when you're in a government run hospital, but your, your personal interest, your personal ministerial interest is the same. It is very different uh, because the, the staff that is there are in charge of everything. And I'm just coming alongside shoulder to shoulder, working with the nationals to try help them improve their skills. First, it took quite a, bit of waiting on the Lord to get permission to work there. But many of countries don't even allow mission hospitals anymore. And 
getting permission to have them is difficult because their systems have developed quite a bit from what they used to be. Mm. And so an alternative in serving in medical missions in these countries is to try and help their hospital improve its quality and use it as a place to share the gospel with the staff and with the patients and their families. So God did work in great ways in opening doors to do that and allowed me to be in a place where the administration was not opposed at all to my witnessing to the patients and their families. And just seeing God work there was wonderful. So for those that may be listening and wondering then, were you were you hired on as a as an outside kind of consultant working with the medical team there, or were you, were you there as a volunteer uh, with what is, what does the dynamic look like? I guess is. I was an unpaid volunteer Okay. and I had to get permissions through several levels of the medical system and had a contract with the hospital to be a consultant to help them improve. And I had to list various areas such as the ultrasound teaching and helping them with medical literature and other things that I could do that were in addition to or things that they had a need for outside of what their regular training was. And so it was, it was neat to see the Lord use that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I can add as, as being a visitor there and taking medical teams there, um, it was a blessing to see the hospital staff interact, interact with um, Dr. Breckert and the respect that they showed her because of the humility that she had in working with them and even under them, um, the honor and respect that they had for her, which gave her, I I would assume, Mary, that they gave you more freedom because they had such trust in you in terms of witnessing to individual patients and sharing the gospel, which created the opportunities in many of these villages um, to be able to go out and present the gospel to those I thank God for doing that. And it took a lot of time. When I first got there, people were kind of hesitant. Why are you here? What are you doing? And just to build that relationship with the staff to help them see I'm, I'm not here as the expert with all the answers, but I'm here to work alongside and to gradually introduce them to Jesus Christ. You go back to that relationship building, which is so important and showing them. And they recognized I was there because Christ was directing me and filling me with his love. So you're saying that humble servant care actually accomplished something? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Christ is the example. What, what a what a revelation. Yes, uh, absolutely. You know the 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 medical ministries that we've been uh, discussing here are are not the first in in either BMM's history or in in the modern missionary endeavor. And I know, Dr. Joy, you've done quite a bit of work uh, with some of the history of medical ministries. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about how within uh, the BMM family and certainly before and alongside of that, how medical missions has developed into um, the tool that it is uh, on this global scale. Yes. In fact, we, we follow a pattern that's been the that's happened for centuries. The, the big boom in medical missions uh, in terms of modern medical, uh, in terms of modern mission history was in the late 1800s. One of my favorite stories is about uh, Korea. And there was a, a missionary who went to Korea. Now, this is long before it became divided into North and South. And it was um, forbidden to, to give the gospel in Korea at that time. 
In fact, it was forbidden to become a Christian. And the first missionary that arrived in in the 1860s in, in Korea was bludgeoned to death within so many minutes of arrival to Korea. But several years later, a doctor, Dr. Horace Allen, a medical doctor, went to Korea and was instrumental in saving the life of the king's nephew. And because of that, um, as a result of that, the the laws were changed to allow people to become Christians. Now, of course, South Korea is one of the foremost mission-sending countries in the yeah. world. But that story is a reminder of how uh, providing compassionate medical care can break down resistance to the gospel in places where there is resistance. Now, many of our our initial medical works in Baptistman Mission were not in areas where there was great resistance, uh, but many times, it, several of our hospitals were started by medical missionaries, doctors who would set up a hospital. Uh, we've also had uh, dispensaries, which was kind of the, the term used for a clinic in Africa in the early days. So we've had uh, nurses running dispensaries. We've had hospitals. Most of our hospitals have now been nationalized, uh, some by purpose. Uh, that's always our goal to nationalize. Some because we haven't had a replacement uh, mercenary, mission, medical missionaries to take over the works. Uh, but it's always been used as a tool in order to reach into communities. There are people who will not come on an invitation to a church, but they will come because they have a felt need of needing medical care and will come. And then that provides opportunities for the gospel. In a hospital setting, especially you have a person there for a period of time often, and you have more than one opportunity to reach them. Um, in an outreach clinic ministry where you have a central facility, a clinic, or a hospital, and then you go out in mobile clinics, out into villages, you're actually pushing the edge of the gospel, in a sense, into new areas where people would not necessarily come just to hear preaching, but they would hear the gospel as a product, as a process of coming into a clinic or an outreach mobile clinic or dispensary. And you, you mentioned um, some of our, our earliest uh, mission, missionaries were medical missionaries. In fact, one of the early families that was recruited by William Haas um, went to, I think it was to France, to, to take some tropical medicine courses before they arrived in in what was then French Equatorial Africa. And um, the Seymour family is a family that is, we still have a third generation Seymour serving uh, yes, with the mission today. And uh, they began really the medical ministry of, of BMM, the Seymour family. And so this is this has been a part of what we've done for almost 102 two years. Yes, indeed. And historically also, um, uh, hospital started in India as well, uh, another hospital in um, Haiti. Uh, today, it wouldn't be necessary to have a medical ministry, have a hospital. There's a lot of uh, logistical issues with hospitals today. It doesn't mean it couldn't be done, but there's a lot more being done in terms of not just the curative part of medicine, but also the preventive part of medicine, um, particularly in communities and trying to prevent uh, illness, et cetera, which can be simple as water purification and sanitation and good hygiene, et cetera. And we've also, um, something we haven't mentioned as much right now is is the educational uh, opportunities in, in medical missions. We've had um, nurses go into, for instance, Ethiopia, 
with the purpose of teaching. There are some countries where you cannot go in and provide the care, but you can go in and provide education for their medical people. Yeah. So that has also been a really important uh, part of uh, training. For instance, we've had, um, in, historically, we had a, a training program for nurses in India. This was a number of years ago. Um, we've also had training for nurses in Chad, Africa. So that has also been a major part of uh, medical missions. Now we have um, Rhonda Green working on Guam, and she's teaching in the Bible College there, which is Micronesian students. She's teaching them some health uh, principles and helping them also with the students there. So training, educating has always been uh, one facet of medical missions with our mission. So if someone wanted to be involved, um, so let's say that uh, there may be a, a nursing student or a, or a medical resident that is looking at some opportunities for service um, and they wanted to be involved but didn't know where to start, what would you say to somebody that called and said, what's, what's the program look like, Dr. Joy? Where can I serve? Yeah, a lot of it is uh, depending on what their skills and interests are. Um, the, the start point is to contact me and I'd be glad, or even Travis Gravely, uh, and, and let us hear what their training is, what their interests are, and then decide where that might be. It could be inner city Cleveland, uh, working in our, our free clinic down in downtown Cleveland, reaching the needy people in that community. It could be serving under Nikki Carr in Romania, Rhonda Green on Guam, Working uh, in Rachel a more, Tarvin runs a medical outreach in Peru up in yes. the Andes. Yeah, even though Cusco she's region. not directly uh, medical, but they do have medical campaigns there. So we have uh, opportunities for people to join uh, teams or to even visit um, and see uh, an existent hospital work in Asia um, and travel there and jump into the medical work that's being done or in the mobile clinics that are being done. So there's a variety of different ways, depending on what a person's interest and training are. So the, the hospital facility that you mentioned in Asia, um, we have a a mission staff there, um, that really is looking forward in the next couple of years to a necessary replacement for a doctor. So even someone who's willing to move into a career ministry, uh, we have we have a place of necessary um, service there, right? Yes, we do. In fact, it, it, we have two nurses there, missionary nurses, and then we have a missionary doctor. And the the most urgent need would be a missionary doctor there. But we could also use a medical lab uh, person, a, a lab technologist. Um, so there's other uh, facets of that, but the real critical need right now would be a physician. We also have fields where... Um, in my mind, in my thinking, from having been in these countries, there's opportunity to start a medical work that would be somewhat of a mobile work, going around and supporting churches and holding clinics in those churches or in the areas around those national churches, national pastor churches, um, in order to reach those communities. Because what we found with our teams is you can put a clinic in a church or an associated building in the community and it be known as an outreach of that church. The church people then are used in the discipleship and follow-up of those contacts. And uh, we have countries such as uh, Peru would be one example, uh, where there's already national churches that you could tie into and have a mobile ministry moving from one place to another, assisting those churches, working under the and still supporting the 
the national level of care that's available in the country. There's plenty of remote areas where they still lack care and, and need medical help. So we have the potential for new ministries as well that would be more of a primary care type ministry for someone who was not necessarily inclined to be involved with surgery in a hospital and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, we know this, that while the curse of sin continues to afflict humanity, there is a need both for medical ministry, meeting physical needs as a result of that curse, and of course, the gospel ministry that accompanies it. Absolutely. And so good to hear. It has been interesting to see how the Lord uses people trained in various areas. So someone who is highly trained in a specialty in medicine, usually there's a place where they can use that, especially since teaching and training other people is so important. So, Yeah, specialists by almost by definition are a rarity. You know, otherwise they wouldn't be a specialist. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and there are there are places where specialists uh, um, don't currently operate or, or exist in that arena. Absolutely, so. and sometimes that becomes a drawing card for from people all over a country yeah. where there's a certain specialty that's really needed and a lot of issues related to that particular. Yeah organ system of the body and uh, a doctor with that specialty can draw on from a long ways and distance. Yeah. And just an example, this particular Asian hospital um, has been the means of ongoing church plants in the, in the region. So we're talking now, I think at least 16 church plants have started as an outreach of that ministry of the mobile clinics from the hospital. So um, that's what makes medical missions uh, really function well in terms of growing God's church um, and preparing for yeah. Christ's ultimate return. Well, you know, most, uh, not most, I shouldn't say that, many medical professionals uh, train for life and service with an expectation of of some compensation of consequence um, because of that preparation and, and enduring efforts and study and, and, and uh, professional advancement. But there's certainly nothing more worthwhile doing with your life or your training than to accomplish something of eternal value. And uh, we're, we're grateful that the Lord has promised a, a reward that endures well beyond the, the glitz and glamour of this life yes, and uh, what might be provided. You know, like I said, there's, there's lots of things that, that people can do without, but at some point in our life, all of us need medical care. And so what a wonderful privilege to have a skill set that would allow you to enter places where others can't and where the gospel without you may not may not enter in that generation. So uh, Dr. Mary, Dr. Joy, thank you for service to Christ in your efforts to care for people and uh, for your time with us today. It's been a real joy talking with you and appreciate so much your insight on the medical ministries, both abroad and at home and uh, for your work here with Baptist Admissions. As always, you can reach us at send938 at bmm.org with any comments or questions. No matter what platform you're listening on today, be sure to leave us a five-star review and some comment to help others find the Send 938. And as always, we'll meet you back here next Wednesday. 